Well, good morning, church, and welcome to this week's edition of Post-Sermon Podcast. It's June 14th, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here as Pastor Tyson. I'm sitting here with Pastor Scott. Hello. And we are really excited to um, kind of debrief and continue talking about um, Pastor Scott's um, very encouraging message from Sunday, but also uh, a very exhortational sermon that... Uh, showed us God's love for helping us grow and seeing the beauty of salvation, but also just a, a, a real kind of encouragement to help our shape our prayers so that they're not mm-hmm. just a bunch of Taco Bell weak sauce. <laughs> and so we just really appreciate and are thankful for the Lord's work in, in and through Scott as he prepared and, and shared and proclaimed God's word to us. Um, but there was a few things we wanted to follow up on this week and just talk about mm-hmm. a little bit more and give uh, uh, give Pastor Scott a chance to share some more of uh, what the passage means and how it applies to our life. Mm-hmm. Anytime you hear a sermon from any pastor, we always, always should recognize that you're hearing a tip of the iceberg, that underneath the surface of the water is a giant mountain of time uh, devoted to study and, and that the pastor's head is just ready to explode, but... Uh, yet must constrain himself within, you know, an an hour time of preaching. So we are seeking to let his head explode a little bit more (laughs) and share that with us. So one of the things that you talked about, Scott, that was really helpful, is you you brought up the topic of sovereignty, because we've been, God's sovereignty, Mm -hmm. because we've been talking about that a lot lately, uh, especially in in verses 3 through 14, where it just brings out God's sovereign role in salvation. But you really... Uh, helped uh, us, uh, I think, alleviate some of the tension and I would say even fears we have over that doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, that those fears being kind of uh, well, if we believe in the sovereignty of God, um, doesn't that remove uh, incentive and motivation to do things like pray or to even share the gospel? Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned actually, it's actually the opposite. You said that God's sovereignty is a catalyst. Mm-hmm. for greater action on the part of believers to pray and share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So can you explain to us how that's, how, why is it that way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think you see that just in Paul's natural response to this in the passage. So, you know, for him to be able to say the beginning of verse 15, for this reason, well, what reason? Well, the reasons that he's just spelled out there in verses 3 through 14, which is just a total God-centered picture of redemption Notice he, he basically says, in light of this, I, I, I fall down upon my knees and I, I pray and I thank God for the work that he is doing in you. And so it's so interesting because you, you have other books like uh, the book of Romans that Paul wrote where he anticipates maybe certain questions that are on the mind of the audience. They think, well, if this, then what about that? And he anticipates those things and he seeks to answer them. Um, but here, his his response to the sovereignty of God in salvation is praise and thanksgiving and, and worship. And this is where it's really helpful for us to just see even just the larger scope of the New Testament, the number of times that we see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man, especially as it relates to expressions of worship, whether it be prayer, whether it be evangelism, those two ideas, we never see them pitted against each other, even though in our, our 
fallible human minds, we naturally pit them against each other because we think to ourselves, well, if there is a God who's in control, then he's going to do what he's going to do. So then he doesn't really need me to do anything. Well, the problem is, number one, that's not the way that scripture portrays things. Number two, it also is a disservice to the very commands of God is that it's not just that God is sovereign, but that he, in his sovereignty, actually invites us into that process, right? He doesn't want us to be robots. He He desires that we actually be people who are living and active and representing him. You know, that's why he tells his disciples before he leaves and he ascends back into heaven. You know, I, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to go and tell. I'm not telling you to, to be idle now and just wait till I come back. I'm telling you to go and to be obedient. And I'm going to be with you in that process. I, my, my power is going to remain with you and empower you to do this type of work, whether it be to speak my gospel truth to others, whether it be to, to pray. And yeah, I wanted our people just to be able to understand that an appropriate understanding of God's sovereignty does not produce a um, an apathy, right? It doesn't make us lethargic and think, well, then doesn't really matter what I do. Uh, the reality is actually it, it matters deeply. And I think if we rightly understand God's sovereignty, as quoted from one of my professors in seminary, we understand that that's actually the basis for why we can pray. If God's not in control, if God's not the one who's able to change hearts, then, then we, sh we shouldn't pray. But if God is able to, if he has that power to do so, and he actually invites us and say, you know what, you are actually part of the means that I use to do that, then we should count it all joy to be prayerful. We actually, it should stimulate us to, to, to evangelize even more, right? Uh, if we understand that, whoa, it's actually not about me, it's actually about God working, and this is the means that he has ordained to do so, then... I need to I need to reorient my thinking. I actually need to go and I need to be even more active in this than what I even anticipated. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the I think the the appropriate effect that the sovereignty of God has and we see that consistent throughout scripture, but it's only in our you know, our fallible human minds that we naturally pump the brakes there. We think, "Oh, well this this means that we shouldn't do this." But those are just contrary ideas to the way we see it unfold throughout the Bible. Yeah, that's really good. You you kind of teased out the the um, objections of somebody says, you know, well, why why bother praying? I mean, it sounds like we're pretty passive in this. Well, if you don't believe God is sovereign, mm -hmm. it doesn't really motivate you to pray either. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. actually, yeah. Well, I would say demotivates because if God is not um, sovereignly ordaining all things to pass, mm -hmm. if God is not the one who transforms people's hearts to be saved, mm -hmm. um then God has no power. Mm -hmm. And when we pray to him, when we uh, seek him out, it, then it's almost like, you know, God would be saying, well, I'll see if I can mm -hmm. do this. We'll see if we can get it to happen. Exactly. And it kind of leads to a, real, a view we call open theism, mm -hmm. where it's this idea that kind of the way God interacts with the world is that he, he created everything and he started everything up and mm -hmm. kind of spun the world as if it were a top. Mm -hmm. And then he stood back, stepped back, and he said, all right, I'm just going to watch what happens. Uh-huh. Um, but that's that's not the case. That's clearly throughout the whole testimony of Scripture. God is not passive. He is he's active in, in everything. And so, like you said, it, it's tremendously encouraging to know that um, when we pray within his will, he's going to act. And 
you know, I've heard one pastor say, you know, a prayer is the slender nerve that moves the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's true. Even mm-hmm. though God has ordained the thing to come to pass, mm-hmm. he still, he ordains the means as well as the ends. Yeah. I remember years ago, somebody asked me, I think it was when I was in seminary, was like, well, does prayer change things? And the answer to that is, well, yes and no, right? Like it, it doesn't change things in the sense that God, yes, knows what's going to happen, but he invites you to be the means of you being to to help that thing be brought to pass. And, and we're so, talking about yeah. well, you, why you say yes and no is because mm-hmm. it, it's from two different perspectives. Exactly, yeah. If you look at it from a human perspective, yes, it changes things. Mm-hmm. If you look at it from God's perspective down, mm-hmm. it doesn't change anything. So you go to like Exodus where um, Moses comes down from the mountain and the people are partying it up with the mm-hmm. golden calf and God's like, step aside, Moses. I'm going to wipe these people out. Mm-hmm. I've had it with them and I'm going to build a nation just out of you. And Moses appeals and says, hey, no, no, no. Hey, remember your your promises and all this kind of stuff. And God says, and he relents. Mm-hmm. Well, is that, yeah. did we just change, did he just change God's mind? Or was that all a part of God's plan and working mm-hmm. through Moses that way? Exactly. You know, so it's, it's because of looking at it two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. We look at it from our little finite creative perspective, but also we have to look at things from God's perspective. And, and Paul understood that too, just as I was thinking here, you know, a number of times that Paul writes about in his uh, epistles, not when he's just praying for people, but he multiple times mentions the audience to who he's writing. He's like, I know that through your prayers, something's going to happen, right? Philippians one nineteen was coming to mind here where he talks about, because I know that through your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, my distress will turn out for my deliverance, right? And so Paul is resting in this idea that yeah, prayer does have an effect. It does change things, and it's through others that those things are brought to pass. And so it should very much have an empowering effect on our prayers rather than a quenching effect, for sure. Yeah, and speaking of just the effect on our prayers, you talked about how Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, 15 mm-hmm. through 22, uh, or 23, mm-hmm. that it shapes his prayer uh, the way it is. It is a model and it shows us what God's heart is, but that also shapes the way we pray. It kind of uh, exemplifies how we should be mm-hmm. praying when we understand um, the rich blessings we have. And you kind of talked about how sometimes we have weak sauce prayers, uh, that we're not always praying with necessarily a biblically informed uh, way mm-hmm. of praying. And uh, really you spoke to actually, you, you just asked a simple testing question you know when we offer up a prayer request you just said why mm-hmm. why are we praying yeah. for that and the, how yeah. we answer that question of why kind of reveals the heart of our prayer the heart behind our prayer so my question then would be for you is mm-hmm. how how does the um this application of the sermon how does it impact our prayers as a church maybe like a few different examples so like if somebody's filling out that prayer request card on the check-in card how would that Mm -hmm. impact the way they write that um do they need to write a lengthy treatise on why they're giving a prayer Mm -hmm. um or what about people who are praying in life groups and sharing prayer requests or how about when we get the email prayer request, uh, you know, from the church every week? So mm-hmm. how does this sh- sermon impact those yeah. prayers? Yeah, exactly. I think it just it informs the way that you think about how you submit requests and then even what you do with prayer requests for sure. 
Um, and, and this is good because I just recognize it's, it's not wrong. We live in a culture where it's natural for us to, you know, we have a, a loved one who's in the hospital and we want them, you know, to get better. And so it's not wrong to pray for somebody to experience healing and relief from pain. It's not wrong for, as I mentioned, for uh, us to pray for the students in our ministry that this test that they have coming up that they would do do well on. But it's always just, yeah, going that step further because it, it, otherwise, if we're not careful, what we're really just praying for is just worldly comfort. Um, and not that we have that intention in mind, but that's what the prayers can reveal to us is that, well, we want people to have a more comfortable life here on this earth. We want people to, you know, have greater success here on this earth, you know, so that they, you know, for my kids test so they can get the grades they need to get to the good college, to get the good job, you know, keep going on and on with that kind of a, if we're not careful, almost an American dream mindset of living the life that we want them to here. But we have to always pit that against, well, what is it, what is it that God really ultimately desires for our life? Not just what we desire, but how do we how do we take our prayer requests to the next level that says, you know, what is it that God would want us to do through this? And so it's not wrong to pray that uh, one of our church members who's in the hospital would have success in their surgery and that they're, uh, they would have good recovery. But it's even more important than to say kind of that, that so that or that for this reason, uh, addition to that prayer request. So, you know, thinking about, and there's all kinds of different applications to it that you could do, but, you know, we think about the way that we brought out on Sunday, just the way that we suffer. We want that suffering to look different than the world does, you know, in a way that shows the doctors, that shows the um, other patients that are in the hospital or recovery area, like, like, wow, this person's really hopeful through this. They're really kind and loving and gracious and they they suffer well what is it about them that look that is so different right um for the the kid wanting to, to to pass a test like that's again that's fine but more than anything you're praying in this that ultimately the child would not find their identity in their success in school that their grades are not what define them but that christ would define mm -hmm. them you know, so it just, it changes just our mindset of how we, we take our prayers to a whole nother level. You know, it's not wrong to pray that you're, you know, that for your baseball game, that's, that, that's coming up. But what are you actually praying for in that? Are you just hoping that you win and do well? Or is it that you hope, and this is the way that parents can then pray for like their kids, that your kid actually displays Christ's likeness and humility and deference towards others, even in the way they play, that they represent God well. And so the, that so that is always important. So whenever we're thinking about filling out that prayer card, you know, even just taking that extra extra couple of seconds to just write, you know, you know, please pray for uh, please pray for my unbelieving neighbor. Uh, that I might be a faithful witness to them, and that they might come to know the Lord through you know, my, my gospel ministry to them, like, right. That takes that prayer to a whole nother level. Yeah. And Paul um, prays something similar. He's asked the church to pray that doors would be open, right? Asked, right. Present hey, opportunities. Present, help mm -hmm. me to look for opportunities and, pre and help them to come. You know, we get prayer requests often from people in our church about, man, things are hard at work, right? Like people are difficult and, you know, sometimes it's like, ah, oh, just, you know, I want to out of my job or something, but it's Lord, how can you help me to be 
a a witness well for Christ. Like even if I'm not in a job that I'm not loving right now, how can I learn to love the people? Mm-hmm. And how can I learn to even in my you know weakness here learn to exemplify Christ all the more? And so uh, the way we fill out requests, and then often the way that we even take people's requests, and just sometimes we just see it's a very simple request. But the nice thing about a passage like this is that. Paul gives us ways that we can then pray for them, right? So if it is a simple, uh, simple request, you know, that, oh man, I pray that I, I find, you know, uh, that my husband finds work soon, right? He let, got let go from his previous job and he's looking for a new one. Pray that he would find a job soon. Well, okay, we can pray for that. Absolutely. We want that provision for him because we know that that directly impacts the family. We pray that he would find a job that, or that in the search for a job that he would have his uh, hope set on Christ, right? That he would be resting in the sufficiency of Christ and not his his job. And yeah. he wouldn't be anxious, but that yeah. he would wait on the Lord and that respond lo- with, with an, in a God-honoring way. That the, the Lord would, uh, yeah, one of my favorite prayers is, yeah, from uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 8, but particularly causing, uh, praying that people would be filled with the peace of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. That the peace of Christ might guard their hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, and, and notice that's the um, place where Paul says it's the, uh, the the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's, it's bigger and beyond our full comprehension, mm-hmm. but it is a powerful peace that is able to do amazing things in weak vessels like us. So just taking those prayers from Scripture and mending them with the prayers that people submit uh, and really it just takes it to a whole nother level and really begins to put it as a God level prayer that he desires for his people. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, you know, what we're sounds like what we're encouraging people is to process their prayers a little bit more and Mm -hmm. process them through the HEPA filter of God's word Mm -hmm. and, you know, sanctify them sometimes a little bit more, think through them a little more thoughtfully because, you know, we often pray at the end, we say, in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. And that's not just a magical incantation that Mm -hmm. we say, but it's, it's a, you know, it's a reflection on um, Jesus' words in the gospel um, where he says, if you pray anything in my name, it will be done for you. And the idea is when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying within, in concert with his, his will, will and his yeah. desires. Mm-hmm. And so when we pray, we got to ask ourselves, is this something that Jesus wants? Like mm-hmm. you said, you know, and Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. We often call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really the disciples' prayer. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he gives us that filter because the very first thing he says we should pray for is he says, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy mm-hmm. name. So that's the very first thing we should be about, revering mm-hmm. and honoring God's name. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. So the very first things that we should be praying for is God's name to be glorified mm-hmm. and his will to be done not only on in heaven mm-hmm. but on earth. And then everything else in the prayer is underneath that umbrella. Yeah. So then he says, it's not wrong to pray for food and your daily provision. Mm-hmm. But it should always be subservient. And, you know, he sure. gives us that promise in Matthew 6. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things being the mm-hmm. things necessary for life will be mm-hmm. provided for you. Mm-hmm. So that there's a lot of comfort in knowing that God cares for us, but he also wants us to be pursuing the most important things that are part of his will. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, we also, we live in a world that's fascinated by power, and you talked a lot about power in this passage, the power of God. That's one of the things God wants us to know and better understand. It says in verse 19 that 
Um, he wants us to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Mm-hmm. We love power. We mm. have all these Marvel movies mm-hmm. that are out. Um, they're always turning out more superhero movies. We are enamored and captivated by mm-hmm. somebody who is powerful that it stands out amongst the rest of our weakness. And I'd say even when, obviously, when Jesus was on the earth, people were captivated by his power yeah. and followed him because of the things and signs he was doing. And so here we say uh, a prayer for that we would better understand mm-hmm. God's power, that we would be captivated by his power. So how should that power, I mean, it's it's somewhat of an abstract thought mm-hmm. to be captivated by God's power, which he worked in Christ and raised him from the dead. So how should this power that God uses, mm-hmm. how should that change our lives, that understanding of God's power? Yeah. Yeah. And I have to admit, like, as I was uh, studying this this week, it did feel very abstract to me because it was like, there's, he put so much emphasis in the last three, four verses of this prayer on this, power that's available to us in Christ. And I had to ask myself, well, what does that actually practically mean, right? Because I get the fact that this is powerful power, but what does that actually mean for the Christian life right now? I think especially as we think about the resurrection power, because this all kind of begins with the, re- you know, the he, he highlights there the, the power that raised Christ from the dead and caused him to be seated in the heavenly places, right? Like, as I started to look at this throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, there's a lot of references to to, to power and especially maybe when I go into almost like a, a theology of kind of the implications of the resurrection for us but you know this power is what allows us you know second peter uh one three mentions that it's uh his divine power that's granted to us all the things that we need pertaining to life and godliness um and so you're like okay so this power allows me to live faithfully in this world, but I think it's kind of interesting. He even uh, highlights that that resurrection power in his first epistle in First Peter uh, chapter one as well. Also in verse three, where he talks about you know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, listen to this, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So first of all, the power to even be made a child of God comes through the resurrection power of Christ, right? Like the power that you, the the ability to even be a Christian is made available because of what Christ has done. Notice verse 4, to an inheritance as imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed to you in the last time. In other words, God's power is what also helps keep you and preserves you faithfully to the very end. And especially that's important, we look in verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So this is even being written to a people who are suffering immensely because of their faith. And saying this power actually helps you to, to overcome. It has the ability to help you persevere in the midst of trial. And I was thinking to myself, a lot of this power, I think, is, is perspective-based. I think it's mindset. You know, we think about... Uh, the the passages that constantly speak about renewing our minds and our perspective and our thinking 
uh, in the New Testament. You think about Philippians 4, 8, you know, think on these things. You think about Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things that are above, right? Living with an eternal perspective, I think, just changes the way that we encounter trial. Mm -hmm. I think it changes the way that we think about what our greatest ambition is in life. It changes the way uh, we pursue wants and desires, whatever it may be. It changes the way we parent and what our goal in parenting is. Uh, that is a power, because I and I notice that whenever I pray, so often when I'm struggling, when I when I go to the Lord in prayer and I seek His wisdom on these things, I find myself coming out of that with a greater renewed hope and a greater sense of want to call it power sure like that just it feels it feels different and recognize that these are the things that god has made available to us through his son that is beyond anything we can just conjure up ourselves yeah yeah there's something to say when you like you said when you realize the power that god has and is at work in you in salvation but also is at work in you both in your rest of your life and your sanctification in the midst of mm -hmm. your trials and suffering when you have a better understanding of that, um, it, it leads to a lot of certainty, mm -hmm. hope, assurance, mm -hmm. confidence. Just the same as it would for, you know, a, a military mm -hmm. army going against another one. When you know the tools and the weapons you have mm -hmm. that are far greater in number and strength than the other enemy, you're not going to be as concerned in battle. And we see we're going to see that later in Ephesians chapter yeah. six, where. Mm -hmm. Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God, yeah. and that's a reference to the power that God has. It's like in fighting against the schemes of the devil. It's like, we don't have to be afraid of he who is in the world because of he who is in us, yeah. because of his power. It's Yeah, it's not an abstract reality. It's the fact that this power is God in us. That's mm -hmm. It's not just some metaphor that's out there. It's because Scripture says God has put his spirit within us. And as you even just said there, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we now have the we have the the tool, the weapon, if you will, to overcome the powers of the evil one in this world, to persevere to the end. Doesn't mean that we live the whole way, like, but we have everything we need to to be able to live this life faithfully in a godly way until God calls us to glory. Um, and that is a power that is keeping us and preserving us all the way to the end. Everyone would be super stoked if Superman were real and if he were your friend mm -hmm. because you would feel invincible to a degree because, mm -hmm. like, yeah, nobody can hurt me. Nobody can mess with me. Superman's mm -hmm. always going to save me. Superman's mm -hmm. always going to look out for me. And if I need to get somewhere fast, he can fly me there. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's a silly illustration, but it's like if we can kind of understand that concept from something imaginary mm -hmm. um, and take that and just multiply infinitely with God's power. Exactly. And to know that God's power is already upon us in salvation, mm -hmm. but it's continually at work in us um, in our lives till the very end. Um, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, a lot of hope in that and encouragement. Well, church, thank you so much for listening in this week. Um, we pray and hope that you are edified through the Word of God this week. I know we, uh, Scott and I were, and rejoicing in that. And we pray this week that you will continue to grow in the knowledge of Him who has called you, who uh, has uh, enlightened your hearts. And we pray that you will continue to know the more and more 
the riches of his glorious inheritance and the immeasurable greatness of his power. Because as Pastor Scott reminded us, the more you know, <laughs> the better you understand and worship our God and, and go forth in, in great hope and confidence. So may you have a blessed week as you go forth and may you seek to glorify God uh, with everything you do. Thanks, church.